0: Remember when we <clears throat> used to pray Ephesians 4.11 about the 5 ministry gifts? Now everybody's talking about that because they understand now the distinctions between the different ministry gifts. And if we're going to move forward in God, we have to move forward in knowledge and revelation and power. And so when you start to understand what God has called and, and, and how he is planning to perfect his church, then you are obligated to operate in that revelation. So that's what our prayer was, that the body of Christ would come into the wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. Amen. So that's what we have in Ephesians 1.17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus, Paul is praying this prayer Apostolic prayers are very interesting because they come from revelation. And they come because those persons have labored before God or, or we would say spent time in the presence of God receiving revelation understanding from him. And he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So when you have wisdom... And revelation in the knowledge of God. Now, this comes apart from <clears throat> anything that your congregation is doing. This has to do with your personal one-on-one relationship with God. Time that you spend meditating on the Word, time that you spend in prayer and, and you know in worship, things like that, where God begins to respond to your curiosity about different things. Always be curious in the presence of God. Never be afraid to question Him. Some of the best teachings I've got, I've gotten because I veered away from the familiar and I got into areas where I didn't have answers. Got it. Sometimes I'll say God will give me a title for a sermon and I'll say, well, I can't put that down because I don't know what that means. And so as you begin to listen to the voice of God, that's how he piques your, your curiosity. He will give you something that puzzles you. And see, I could drop back into the familiar things that he's given me before, but if I will veer out and to say, okay, God, I'm going to preach that. I'm writing that down, so you, but you're going to have to tell me the rest of it. And sure enough, he always gives me the rest of it. And that's how you get revelation understanding. and understanding. That's what Paul did. That's the kind of relationship he had with the Lord. He says that, he said many times, he says, I've, I've had revelations where I was taken up to heaven, you know, and and into the third heaven. And so he said things too, too glorious to even speak about, I saw, you know, that kind of thing. And so he was very much given to understanding from God. When he would go to different places, he says, I went there by revelation. It's like nobody invited me. Huh? I don't have to worry about do they like me there or not, or are they going to give me a big offering or whatever. I go by revelation. See, God told me to go, and that's what I did. And so that's the best relationship to have with God is where he tells you, and you have that assurance. Now, that is not to say that if somebody questions you, they can't question what you're doing. If they question you, you don't have to get in a fight with somebody and say, God told me. You can't tell me nothing because I heard from God. You know what I'm saying? It's not these things aren't given for strife and debate, but they are given because that person, uh, the person that's called, needs to have that kind of relationship with God where there's a knowing about what you're to do. And that's what Paul wanted for all believers. He said that you would know the hope of your calling with the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. No, only God can do that. We sit in darkness until the great light of Jesus Christ comes in and and shows us the way. And he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So there's a hope of the calling of God for all believers. Paul's prayer was that every believer would know what they're called to do. What has God told you? About you. You're not called to just survive, you know, just to understand a few principles of how to get bills paid. I was listening to Pastor Shirley during the offering, you know, Uh, there's a sense of more inside every believer that that you know has that hope in there you just know that there yeah god i'm really just scratching the surface here and that's what paul did he wasn't satisfied scratching the surface he had to go for the more amen and the more always Natural is the spirit will always correct things that aren't manifesting correctly. Isn't that what we ask God to do? Perfect what concerns us. Huh? You know if Bubba acting all gruff and, and mean and angry, don't you ask God to do something do something with him. Well that's perfecting what concerns you. You got a scripture for that. It ain't witchcraft if it's your husband. Female trick number three oh huh? Amen. That's your man. You talk to God about him any kind of way you want to. Did you hear that? You taking notes? You better take notes, my like, no nah. <laughs> so honest he told the truth get you some paper out there no no I'm messing with you little Howard but <laughs> he always talking about I've heard him talking to his little friends at lunch and stuff my wife going do and I tell her to do I said oh my goodness look at the boy huh <laughs> <laughs> Uncross <laughs> you. walk like a man here uh, I <laughs> know. But uh yeah, I didn't heard you going on and on and on and I said you ain't gonna do she ain't gonna do nothing, You ain't gonna do nothing. He ain't gonna say you got all my money <laughs> just like most <laughs> brothers do. You done took all my money <laughs> But hear him now. But it's all good, love, it's all what's done in love stays in love. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> it says what, that we might know what is the hope of his calling. He called you to something. you got to know, you got to understand that there is a purpose, that's the hope. See, it's something you're going toward. It's not always fulfilled all the time. But it's something you're always moving toward, always trying to perfect, always looking <clears throat> To get closer to what the hope is. So what is the hope of our calling? Well, we know heaven is our hope. That's our final destination. But my feeling is that if you don't trust God on earth, if you don't trust him to keep your life together on earth, you don't trust him to get you over into heaven. It takes faith to die in Christ. Did y'all know that? You gotta have faith. And have that peace that when you lay it down for good, he'll take care of that over there. So how is that going to happen over over there when you can't really trust him over here? You see what I'm saying? You just have to have that that relationship peace. Aside from that, there's an earthly hope that is to be fulfilled. And we're to fulfill the command of God, the mandate of God on the church. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, make believers and disciples of all men. All of that is part of our calling. But there are things that we're called to on a day-to-day basis in between there. That if we don't fulfill those day-to-day calls, we'll never fulfill the ones that are extended out there to get into the further hope of our calling. So so he says that we would know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So God has invested riches in us in the body of Christ. He's invested riches in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe and we're to believe according to the working of his might and his power which he wrought in Christ when he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that's named not only in this world but in that one which is to come. And have placed all things under his feet, given to be head over all things to his church, which is his body. And we are the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. So we're called to be the fullness of God right here on earth. You want to see God? Ta-da! But not only me, but everybody else. See, we all comprise his body. So I'm just a portion. Huh? The Bible says the hand should not say to the eye, I have no need of you. We all need every part of the body functioning, amen, to be the body of Christ. And so if I'm called, I can't get any further in my call than somebody else who's called as well that has to fulfill their part. And so we'll find that the different parts of the body can work together, can function together. You can go to any country on the earth and as long as you all belong to the family of God, you'll find kinship. You'll be able to work together with them. You can share preaching with them. You can, you can preach and they can do the altar call. You can pray for the sick and they can do another part. It all works together, you know? It's kind of like we did at Richard Roberts, you know, when, <clears throat> when we came together with them. We didn't have to be like trained, you know, we understand what they're doing, and we can take direction from them, but it was like a hand in a glove, you know, we just kind of flowed in with what they were doing, listened to what they said they needed, and then you can connect like that. It was always my prayer for everybody that we would train in this ministry that you could go anywhere and represent Christ and function and be able to be a help to anybody's ministry. Amen. Amen? So that when you get somewhere, that they, they know that, that you you uh, are a servant of God. You're not trying to lord it all over anybody. You just know how to fit in and get the work done. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's the great part of knowing the hope of your calling. But see, if we didn't have an understanding of what God's called us to do as far as the work of the ministry is concerned, you'd be a problem for people. You see, you go somewhere and say you're going to help and say you're going to usher and wind up trying to reorganize everything. You understand what I'm saying? And, and make a mess of things. But if we know the hope of our calling, see, I, you know, I'm a leader here, but I know how to sit down and wait until somebody tells me to get a cover cloth and put it over somebody if that's necessary. See, I don't have to jump up and want to get involved in everything all the time. Just to to say, I'm doing something for God. I can wait until my turn comes. If it don't come, I just had a nice sit-down day. You understand what I'm saying? And so we, we need to understand that we are called, as a body of believers, that we have a function... And we can know how that function can fit in with a greater picture, how it can generate its own ministry, how it can help others, all of those things we need to understand how that's done. And that's why we, have, we expose you guys to different things to do, you know, different ways to help different ministries so that you will be able to see That, you know, this thing is real and it's universal and you don't have to have any fear about going forward in God. You know, if if things change here and God decides that he wants to send you somewhere else or send you for a season or you go to help somebody else in their ministry or something like that, you know how to fit in. You don't have to go there and be a problem to people. You know how to be an asset to people, so forth and so on. Your greatest blessing... Probably throughout your life will be your prayers and encouragement that you give to people. Because people can get hands and feet, amen, in a lot of places. But prayers and encouragement and people who will pray for you over the long run, that's rare. And so that's what we want. We want to have that kind of calling on our lives that we know what we're doing and we continue to do it and we're faithful to God in what we do. So that's just in general what we do as far as our work and our ministry is concerned. But you are called to different things. So we're going to talk about some of those things that we're called to. Number one, you're called to a new identity, In John chapter 1, if you'll turn there, you have a new identity. You're not a sinner anymore. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner. You used to be, I hope. (laughs) You all, you all used to be. The minute you stepped over and were born again, you are no longer a habitual sinner. Got me? And it's good to start to walk in your new identity. He says in John 1.12, but as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave power. So you're empowered. The day you're born again, you are empowered to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when you're born again, you are born of God. He set the date of your birth. He set the time. He set the place. He set everything. He was totally in control. Your natural parents, you were born out of their will when you came here in the natural. Amen? So that's the will of man. We're all born by the will of man. Man? Some people are born, they say, by accident. But that's not true. God calls every life into being I mean, come on now, folks. You may not have been planning all that. I'm not going to go there real deep. Just, you know, hold your horses. you understand what I'm saying? But God is the author of all life. You cannot create life on your own, apart from God. God gives you the tools. He gives you the, the uh, 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 equipment. But only He calls forth life. There are many people who are, are trying to conceive and can't. So God calls forth life. You understand me? If He doesn't want anybody here, they don't get here. Everybody that's here, he gives permission by the will of man for them to get here. You got me? But the second time you're born again, you're born totally of God. God, It's a God thing 100%. Man can't stop it from happening. Man can insist in it happening. Man can sow the seed. But God really is the one that moves us to sow seeds when we witness to people. God knows when those seeds are going to... Uh, bear fruit you know how you you pray for people and you witness to them and they still don't want to come to church still don't want jesus still don't want him well god knows the time that they're going to come forth he knows those seeds will be harvested at some point and god knows that point and he knows that time so when you're born again or born of the spirit of god you're born by god it's totally the sovereign work of god And when you're born again you receive a new identity and that is you are sons and daughters of God. Because you're empowered to be that. Being a son or daughter of God has to do with the power to do that much more than it does a desire to love God or, or serve God or anything like that. But you're empowered to be sons. Now why do you need power to be a son of God? Well, you need the power of obedience. Sons and daughters obey the Father. They do the will of the Father. And that's how we know that we are our children of God because we love, love God and love the brethren and we do His will. It takes power to do God's will. Even when you're empowered, sometimes you mess up and don't do the right thing. You understand? But the true sons of God realize that they have an inheritance through their new identity. And so they are working in that new identity to fulfill the will of God, be faithful to the will of God, and they want God's approval. Everybody who knows God wants his approval. We want to hear, well done. We want to hear that every day. We want to know that we're doing the right thing. We want to know that God approves of us. So when you're born of God, that new identity causes all of that reality to come to you. huh? When you do something you're not supposed to do, the Holy Spirit lets you know you get that conviction. You say, oh, wow, what do I need to do, God? I shouldn't have done that. huh? I need to do something else, so show me what to do. That's what what sons and daughters do. You didn't do that before you knew God. You care less. You care if your parents... They don't tell, don't nobody tell me what to do. Huh? I'm my own person. Huh? All these self-made, you know, that that phrase always makes me chuckle. Well, so-and-so's a self-made. You ain't made nothing yourself. You understand me? Somebody had to, to give you something, somebody they had to help you some way, and God had to either just leave you alone and, and watch you be stupid or something. But you're not self-anything. All of these things come directly or indirectly from God. And so when we belong to God, then we're mindful. See, before you went through life and you could mess up, and some people made a, a, a career... Of messing stuff up. Huh? Get involved with somebody and I show, show them. They can't tell me what to do. I mean, I dropped him like a hot potato. You know, he thought I was going to do this and go do that and go do that. I showed him. And so we have a career sometimes of being selfish, causing trouble for people, and we enjoy being the spotlight even if we're causing trouble. You understand what I'm saying? It's in us to want to just mess up. But when you come to God, that you, sometimes it takes so long to get Christians to, to step out in faith because we're so concerned about doing something wrong. Now, all of a sudden, huh? we're so concerned about messing up. Well, that wasn't your life when you was out there doing everything that the law allowed and didn't allow. You was out there swinging from the chandeliers half the night. What happened? Well, you became a new identity. You're a son and a daughter of God now. So you're careful about your witness, careful about how you look. You're careful because you know if you start sowing seeds this way, you know you're not going to like the fruit that comes. So all of this comes with your new identity. I remember when I was the first church we were in when I, when I was first saved, and I remember the minister preaching, and and he had a bunch of new converts in this church. It was a church where people would come in uh, raw and get saved. You understand what I'm saying? They got saved in that church. And he was talking about a young man that he had had a conversation with, and this young man was saying uh, that he was upset because he said, no, Pastor, he said, uh, I've been saved, you know, for whatever. He said, and I still do so and so and such and such and the pastor said he was getting a little perplexed about it because he was just wondering is he, this kid saved for real or not you understand what I'm saying he wasn't sure he said and then God quickened it to me and spoke to me and he asked the young man he said well how do you feel about it he said I don't like it then you're saved huh you understand what I'm saying That's what sonship, sons and daughters of God feel bad about sin. Whereas when you were in the world, that was yo, hey, you know, the more to marry, I do that all night long. Huh? Messing up? Yeah, give me another line. You know, that kind of stuff. But see, now in Christ, you're a son. Your new identity is speaking up in a way and showing you that's not the way anymore. You got me? That is not the way for you anymore. And so how you feel about Your behavior, where you're going, that kind of thing. It, it reflects on your new identity. But you are empowered to be by His grace. You have the power to obey God, to follow God, even in tough places, even in uh, situations that are routine where other people would uh, feel like it's a restriction on their freedom. You do it willingly. Why? That comes through the calling as a son or a daughter. You understand now that God is expecting certain things out of you and you don't want to disappoint Him. Amen. People come in, in on Saturdays, early in the morning, once a month, you know, for the empowerment meeting and I drag just like y'all drag. And and it's hard the night before because you gotta think everything you gotta do and, you know, get everything lined up and, and all of that. But still, I wouldn't know. We had that one snow Saturday almost drove me nuts. And the people that were going, you know, that stay because they have to pack up and stuff, all of us were cooped up in the house and I said, well, let's cook some dressing. Everybody looking at me like, what else do you do when you got eight to ten people around? Let's cook some dressing. And some gravy and, you know, some people ventured out, got a little provisions, you know, but it mommos dry. And I was so glad when bedtime came because Saturday without the meeting was over. You know, I'm so used to having that meeting every Saturday. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be, I'd go to the mall and rob somebody or something. I wouldn't know what to do in a mall on a Saturday anymore. But but you know what I'm saying. And then and that's my identity though. That's who I am and what I do, you know, that's that's it. But then you'll find some people and they're Christians and they love God and they would die if if they you have church on Saturday all day long and it's like today we're driving driving down uh Royalton Road and 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 so there's some churches that you pass, and I pass them during the week, I never pass them, and they just, it's like, everybody's at the edge of the drive, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you scared to to try and drive past them, because you don't know who's getting ready to dart out in front of your car, and all that, and I, so I slowed down, I said, well, what are they going to do, and I saw, they're leaving church, can't wait to get, a... I was like, jeez, oh, Lord, let's pray right now. Come on now. I mean, they was gunning getting up out of there. Like somebody had hogtied them and kept them hostage. for, And they don't go but an hour. I know what they do. Them's hour services. And they can't wait for that to be over. For a shame. But see, as sons and daughters of God, you know the drill. You know anytime there's an empowerment meeting what that's going to entail. I feel bad sometimes for people that get out of the habit of coming because then it's a, you gotta start that, that fighting your flesh all over again, you know. Just, just remain in the grace of God. That's why I tell people, I say when you quit coming regular, it's twice as hard to get back into it. Why are you gonna put yourself through that difficulty? Just accept, you ain't got nothing else to do on no Saturday. Better go hit the hit them Bibles and pray or do something because you know the devil is there and and he's gonna have something for you on Monday when you go to work or when I mean you know come on now folks let's get with it. So if you're living for God, you've got to understand that there are certain things as a as a child of God that you are called to do. When you have this new identity, you just don't fit anymore in the world. You're in the world only. You're not of the world. You don't have the world's stamp on you anymore. I love it when I see uh, young Christian kids trying to get involved with people out there in the world. And they look awkward and foolish and crazy and stupid. And everybody avoids you. They might put up with you for a while. But behind your back, yes, something right about her. She She's one of them church girls. I know. I can tell them. I smell them a long way. Huh? I'll say amen or out. So see, that's the problem. People try to straddle something. You keep straddling the the world and see where you get. You might as well give it all over to the Lord because that's going to happen eventually anyway. You got no place else to go. Honey, you are marked. You got tattoos all over you that say you belong to Jesus and nobody else. There's only so far a saint will go. Even when they backslide, they only go so far. Or when they go so far, they get so crazy, people in the world get scared of them. <laughs>
1: Isn't that right? Somebody say amen. Huh? Mm-hmm.
0: So you're called to a new identity. You can go nowhere else but to God. Because there's a call that he will call you by that you must respond to, huh? every child of God has it. That's why I don't worry about people once they've been born again. It says you know once you've tasted of the heavenly gift, huh? you've gotten people involved in in the life of God, I mean in a real way there's a stamp of deity on you you you're, you're boom. You know, it's like <clears throat> when when people like backslide and, and forsake their families and stuff like that, there is a door always back into the uh the family again. There's a door. I don't care if it's if it's poverty, sickness, whatever it is, but when mom and daddy say, Come home now that's one they can never refuse. And see, God has that for all of his children. He has that for all of his children. There's a call you'll never get away from. That's your identity as a son or a daughter of God. Many times people try not to function in that role and wind up doing it anyway. Sons and daughters of God intercede for people. They they feel for humanity. It's, it's not in a way of, I feel bad for you and the, Okay, let's eat some chocolate and some popcorn and some ice cream and, and have a girl pity party. Christians don't do that. Amen. So you give yourself away because what you'll do is you'll say something like, well, well instead of, you know, you do it yourself because you're cool. You want to show your friends. I'm going to call my mama and uh, and see if she'll pray for you. Pray for me. You know what people in the world think when you just up and want to pray for them? Yeah. But see, you can't help yourself because you're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So you can't help yourself. Where's your worldly girlfriends? Well, let's eat. Let's eat ice cream and that. We'll just we'll just binge. <laughs> we had a breakup. Let's binge, huh? So you give yourself away because as a child of God, you say, well, I'm going to call somebody we'll pray about this or God will help you. I mean, I didn't mean to say that, but, you know, God will help you. I call my mama, okay? Trying to pass for a sinner. <laughs> yeah, right. So parents have no fear, okay? They all come home. They all come home. And they don't come home in a pine box either. They come home come home running to serve God. I found out God is real. <laughs> That's all they need to find out. So we are called by God as a dwelling place in him. <clears throat> Colossians one twenty seven says we are called into redemption by his blood. Blood speaks. You know that, don't you? The blood of Jesus speaks that you're redeemed. Mm -hmm. So we're called into redemption by his blood. Redemption means that there has been a price paid for you. Once that price is paid, you can't unpay it. Mm -hmm. Once that price is paid... You cannot unpay it. And really now you've been purchased for the purpose of God dwelling in you. He is always looking for a place to dwell. You look back in the old covenant. They had tabernacles and tents. They would pack them up. And where they would move, God would go with them. And then one day God said, you know, I'm sick of this road game. So they had temples. The temples were stable, but, you know, if they didn't come to the temple, God couldn't meet with them either. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to pack up and I'm going to start living in them. So wherever they go, I am with them. So Emmanuel, God with us, shows up. Amen. In the person of Jesus Christ. So you can't get rid of him because he don't move out of nowhere. Huh? Huh? You know you know how when you when you're married sometimes you you know you 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 might argue, but you never have that argument, Amen. and all the married people say <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> huh that argument is Amen. the one that's going to start getting the bags packed huh? you just don't have that argument, Amen. but you know you can have that argument with God and he won't go nowhere. You can fall out with him. You can get mad at what your life is about. And I thought God was going to do this and I'm not going to serve him. And he'll never move out. huh? In fact, he moves even greater on the inside of you. He starts showing a different side. More compassion. More love. more, More of what you need so that you'll understand his great love. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Because he dwells in us and he's not moving out he doesn't care what you do he moved in for the purpose of not ever moving out you see y'all just over there somewhere I don't know where y'all thinking this morning Baptist Presbyterian Catholic I don't know where your mind is but see everybody the world we live in now everybody's got a little bag you know Second drawer on the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. Got a little corner on the left side of the dresser where you keep your little stuff so it's in one little pile so when you get mad you can run on out. See, God is not like that. He is there permanent. You can laugh if you want to. I don't care what y'all say. But, <laughs> but He's not moving in with one foot out the door so He can just wait for you to do the thing and move out again. That's not God. And he moves in in peace. He wants peace in his household. He wants to stay there and he wants to bring peace to you. Huh? Some people, you know, oftentimes in a marriage, women always are upset about something. <laughs> and men want to have peace. And so if, if you are upset, they'll just get them a, you know, the, the man cave came because they are just going in a hole in the basement somewhere. As long as they don't have to listen to you, go on and on. Peace. Huh? They're going to find him. I don't care if it's, what is it, one scripture in Proverbs says, uh, better a uh, a uh, uh, a rainy a shed or something like that with tin roof with water dripping on it than in a house with a contentious woman. So he'd rather be out in the shed with a tin roof with water beating down on it than to be in there listening to Yell mouth. Uh. <laughs> That's why they call it a cave. They say, I don't have to have nothing fancy. No, don't come in and hang me. No drapes. Don't put no rug on the floor. Don't you come in here. This is the man cave. (laughs) Stay out of here. (laughs) Keep my peace. Uh, But God brings peace with him. See, the reason that men have to move out is that they don't know quite how to work the peace thing. And it's not their job. It's God's job to bring peace to people and bring peace between people. By us laying down our strife and animosity and all that kind of stuff. And then we can dwell in peace. That's God's job. And so he can dwell with us forever. Because he knows how to work peace out with everybody. <laughs> he knows just what to say. You know, men sometimes when they they might try, if a woman's upset, you know, they'll try the old one too. Now hmm? oh, baby. And if they get bit, they back up and it's ouch. ouch ouch. Go to man cave. Man cave. Man cave. See, that's why they retreat to the man cave because they don't have the tools to bring peace. Huh? The way you need to have peace brought to you. Amen. So that's why God lives on the inside of us. He brings peace with us. He lets us know I'm not mad at you. I have nothing against you. I'm not here to throw the book at you. I'm here to reassure you that you belong to me. huh? And that's what we all want. huh? That's what the husband tries to do. <laughs> Poor thing. I just say, I was just trying to help. I didn't mean to stir up nothing, but you know, they get bit. And so we, that's why we have to rely on God to be our peace, even between people. He can make peace where we thought no peace was possible before, because he has permanently decided to dwell in us. And when he lives in us, he makes changes in us. Sometimes they're subtle. Sometimes you don't realize that you're being converted and you're being changed. But he does make those changes in us. He will just speak to us. And convince us that we are empowered now to obey him and to do the right thing. So we are called into a habitation now. We are a dwelling place of God. We have a new estate. Galatians 1.6 tells us that we're called unto grace. We're called by the grace of God. And into the grace of God. <clears throat> Galatians 1.6, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Yes. You're called into his grace. Grace takes the sweat out of you having to do things under your own power. Amen. Grace is a power that enables you. It's something you yield to. So that you can do the will of God. Many times I'll tell people, I said, well, you just have to find the grace to do certain things. Grace will open doors, especially doors of utterance. There have been times where I've had to tell people things that I knew it would be hard for them to hear, hard to be entreated, but needed to be said. And so I'll ask God to open a door for me to speak to them. And the grace is just easy. You see, just and you can get in there and have dialogue and it'll be received, all that kind of stuff. So the grace of God enables us to do many, many things that are humanly impossible to do. You can get through to people. There's a grace that enables you to preach the gospel that enables you. And see, that's different than the anointing. The grace is the door you step into. The anointing is what's on your words to give the impact. See? If you never receive the grace to give the utterance, then the anointing will never be there. See? So grace is something that's oftentimes positional. It's how you position yourself. See? Are you available? Yes. Make yourself available. And oftentimes the grace will be there to do certain things. You want to have success in what you do. You want to be able to accomplish things. And God does it supernaturally by his grace. It is the power of God for sonship and to accomplish what God has set you in the earth to do. When we are called by God, we receive a new identity. We get a new name. It's like Abraham was changed from Abram to Abraham because of his covenant with God. So we have a covenant name with God. Now God calls you by your same name, but it's called in a way that you never feel like he's got anything against you. You feel the power of the covenant when God speaks to you. Because you know that you're forgiven. You know that he has good things for you. You know that if there's something you can't do, he will enable you to do it. All of that is your new name. Your name is without malice, is without animosity, is without anger, without strife. There's a peacefulness to the way God calls you. God calls you if you're called to the ministry. He calls you by your, your ministry call. And Paul was called as an apostle. He said, I, Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He calls you pastor. If you're a pastor, did you know whatever you're called of, of God, you'll be called that throughout eternity. So whatever handles hung on you, it'll be you'll be called that forever. People preach in heaven. Did you know that preachers still preach there? Um, The life of heaven is is pretty much structured the way the church is structured down here. So you're called throughout eternity. Whatever name God or title or office God calls you to, you're called that forever. And there'll be a function for that office forever. Jesus preaches in heaven. He preaches and keeps people stirred up to expect that they'll see their loved ones again. That he'll be able to return to bring unity to the body of Christ. All those kinds of things. So whatever the life of, of God is here, I mean, if you don't like church down here, you're going to have a hard time in heaven. If you don't like long worship, I tell people that all the time when they come to conferences and I'll see them sitting on the edge of their seat. Or then they if that's not good enough, they'll if it's a uh, speaker, they'll stand on the front row and see if they can stand out so I can see them. I'll just say, I saw you when you came in here. You better back up in that seat. <laughs> because your number ain't been pulled yet. You got me? I'm waiting for God to tell me our next move. I ain't thinking about you. (laughs) To be honest, I mean, I love you and all that. But you ain't going to bum rush and and rush this meeting. We pay the bills around here. Nothing else. You got to respect who paying the cost to be the boss. I'm serious. I mean, and we're not trying to prolong it to torture people. Oh, this torturous worship, you know. I mean, it ain't about that. But, you know, come on now. I was going to say something else, but I'm not going to say it. I remember we in church. Huh? <laughs> you cut it out because you don't You don't know what I'm getting ready to say. So we're called. God wants to dwell in us. He's been looking for a dwelling place, a permanent place to reside. And that's why we have peace with him, because he's finally resting. He's found a home he can rest in, and that's us. And so when it's, it's unsettling sometimes to us to serve God, you've got to realize that we're, that, you, that God living in you is the best place for him that he's ever wanted to be. He enjoys dwelling in us. It's his delight to make his abode in the hearts of his people. Finally, so he's finally found a resting place. We are called by a certain vehicle. The way that we are called is by the gospel. We must first hear what God's word says, and then we enter into covenant with God. Second Thessalonians 2:14 tells us that we are called by the gospel. And that's the only way anybody is called into this covenant with God. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the vehicle through which people are called unto God is the gospel. That means you have to have Christ preach to you and present it to you alive and living. And and be aware of what changes he can make in your life. A good testimony always draws more people than a bad message. You got me? Or a good message. Joyce Meyer has made her, you see all those thousands of people she preaches to? She's done that off the strength of her testimony. It really has not been... Her teaching, even though she's a very thorough teacher, but she's not really educated, theologically speaking. She just began to understand the changes that God had made in her, and she expounds on those changes. Every time she speaks, she talks about, from personal experience, something that she's been through that makes that scripture the answer for her, and it's the answer for you. And that gives people hope. They they will respond to that testimony if they don't ever respond to anything else. They respond to that. And so if you don't have anything, I mean, your testimony is worth souls in heaven, folks. Don't ever think that you don't have anything to say. I mean, you may not have one that's a cliffhanger. You know what I'm saying? Like you could sell popcorn and get a bunch of people sitting on the edge of their seat just to hear your next word. But you can tell people about some change that the Lord has made in your life. And so that's your testimony. You can tell them. You know what? I I haven't gone to the doctor in. If you tell somebody you haven't been to the doctor in ten years, they're gonna to want to know what you are doing, huh? Even if they don't want to, you know, after you tell them, you know, I, I get prayer at my church. They go, pfft. yeah. Even if that, at least you get an open door to give your testimony. And most people will bite at it nowadays. <laughs> You know why? Because most people can't even afford doctors as much as they, when they had, everybody had full coverage, you know, they could make fun of that kind of stuff. But now they're interested because now they know that there's a hope and a possibility for them as well. So the vehicle by which we are called is the gospel. You must first hear what God's word says. You have to hear the truth of God's word and then make the decision to enter into covenant life with him. So that's when the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. Always let God open people's eyes. Don't you try to be the, you know, the little pry bar and put your little tweezers in the corner of the eye and try to pop them open yourself. You let God enlighten people. He can show them exactly what's needed. Second Timothy 1 9, we're called to a holy calling. Holiness really starts with purity of heart. And you maintain that by not allowing the haters to set up a, an abode in your heart. Amen. Got me? Amen. You kick that stuff out. From a pure heart, a renewed mind. A mind that's renewed in the word of God. And it's reflected in your words and your actions. In a holy calling, you act in concert with God. You're in agreement with God. You want to do the will of God. You know that little thing they had years ago, what would Jesus, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, he would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, just like you and I will do. When we know we're called to a holy calling. James 2.23, Jesus calls us his friend. You're called a friend of God. You're not somebody who's here just to uh, do a little something and do a little this, a little that, but you have an intimate friendship with God. There's a, a respect that you have for him. There's a desire that you have for him to, uh, to reveal more to you, get closer to you, uh, let the relationship grow some. Oftentimes when we start drifting, what we call drifting or your your walk with God gets a little boring or stagnant or something like that. It's because you haven't really acted in friendship with God in ways that you need to. Being a friend of God means understanding what his heart's desire is. He can finally reveal his heart to us. And his heart is that we would go out and bear fruit for him. And bring in more sons and daughters of God. That's always what friends do. It's like the father has a a banquet set. A big party. And he's got empty chairs. And he hates empty chairs. And so he sends his children out to go out and bring more in. To bear more fruit. To make sure people hear about Christ. And they're not left to die in their sins. That kind of stuff. So when you're a friend of God, you understand that that's important to him. And you partner with him in that. You do everything that you can to help people to understand what God's calling is and how they can function in God's kingdom and and be blessed of God. All of those things are the things that friends do. You tell people about your friend. And you tell them that they can be friends with this person too. That This person is the best thing that's ever happened in your life. And that person has a heart for them as well. In Philippians 3, 4, we are called to a high calling. God tells us to set our minds on things that are above, not beneath. To set your affection on high things. To love high things. To love what God loves. To love sharing Christ with humanity. To love helping people. Even if it's passing out bread or Whatever it is that we're involved in, we are to love and to serve. That's a high calling. We're not like people of the world. I mean, they do a lot of good sometimes for people, but they're more concerned with earth things. Some of the CEOs that create great companies that put people to work. Mm -hmm. That's a high calling as far as the world standards are concerned. But we have a calling above that. Don't ever drop down to their level and start setting your affection on just mere business or career or work or things of that nature. Keep your calling in a high level where God can appreciate it. And then he'll be able to allow you to go in and out on these different areas, be able to affect those different areas. You can do more in your prayers than Bill Gates can do with his money. And you need to recognize that and realize that that's a very, very valuable position to have in the earth. That we can subdue kingdoms. We don't have to sit up and put up with nonsense. Amen. So these things that that you know makes you cling to this and not forsake it. Not go off and do something else where you've already been introduced to the things of God and the power of God why would you go and do an earthly job and sell for less? What you need to do is is do more of what you're doing for God, and he'll be able to help you to get into areas where you can affect these things in a greater way. Our uh, sister Earline, uh was uh, talking to me about the prayer manual, and she's a person that just comes here on a casual basis. I said I should just let her get up and preach one time and stir the saints up. But she started reading some prayers and praying from the prayer manual. She sent me a uh um, email message uh, well through Facebook, but anyway she sent me a a message and said, Pray for me, I'm gonna go downtown and confront Pharaoh you know, she took her manual going into Brooklyn and the Bronx and everywhere and, and beating up the devil with it because she's recognizing the need for higher than where she lives. And so that's a high calling where you can go into a situation and have full confidence. She has no doubt whatsoever that whatever she's purposed in her heart to do is going to come to pass for her because she's recognized the height of that. Here's something way above where she's been living and she recognizes that it's hers for the using. Nobody's restricting her. And so once you know the hope of your calling in that respect, then nothing that you purpose in your heart will be impossible to you. So we have, folks, a lot going for us in the calling of God. You're not who you used to be. Don't live low. You understand? Don't settle for just living or getting by or anything. You have an inheritance in God. And I like it because a spiritual inheritance, you never use it up. Huh? It's never used up. It always increases because his kingdom, there's an increase in an advance to God's kingdom that never runs dry. So, you know, for high-maintenance women, that's good to know because, you know, finally you're married to somebody who won't. Ain't scared you're going to rob them blind and huh? whatever. (laughs) So it's a good thing. So God has unlimited supply for his. We have an unlimited inheritance. And the final, we are the final heirs of this earth as well. the things of this earth do belong to us, we shall inherit everything that 's here, so there's no stopping in what God wants to bless us with and endow us with but but that's the hope of your calling folks it's you don't have to be minister, apostle, somebody. you know, I get a headache with all these I say, "Well, who are you now? I thought you were last month when I talked to you, you were But now you're whatever, whatever. And so you don't have to give folks a headache. You'll know what you're called to do and you stay in your calling and you have joy in it. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we do thank you for the opportunity to be blessed by the hearing of your word. and Father, we thank you for faith that comes on your word. We thank you, Lord, for the heavenly high calling of God. We can function in it. Father, my prayer is that People would know that you're talking to them when you say these things. When you say high calling, that includes everybody in here. When you say that we're friends of you, that includes everybody in here. That we can walk in that and know who we are and that be our our identity. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.